Let's go back to 2009 with Squidge. Let's look at the Lions tour again with Squidge. Hello again, welcome back, and welcome in particular to the Squidge Rugby World Cup retrospective podcast, the rugby podcast that still exists and none of the others do. Do you do you hear about that? Yeah, I heard about that. Was that our fault? No, 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 no. It's some other guy's fault. Um, so we have not been around for a bit. No, um, we stopped existing. Yeah. Like, we actually died for a bit. We didn't. We didn't. I don't want that story to get out. Uh, oh. It was entirely fine. Everything was fine. Oh, is it There's fake nothing, news? Nothing suspicious happened. So... You may remember a few weeks ago we started a Lions Tour retrospective. I called it the World Cup retrospective, didn't I? Oh yeah. yeah. I don't even we know the name of a... my own podcast anymore. We started a Lions Tour retrospective podcast going over every game for the 2009 Lions series. We had two means of watching the game for the 2009 Lions series, and then we lost all of them but the tests, and we couldn't yeah. agree on whether or not to just skip ahead to the tests. Like, conveniently um, on the day we were about to record the third episode as well, like, the, the yeah. game... Or, or oh. the, the, we were going to watch it, in fact, the day before we were going to record. We had a guest uh, lined up and everything, yeah. and didn't, didn't, didn't wind up happening, yeah. uh, and it was a bit rubbish. So what we decided to do is we are going to, from next week, pick up the test, do episodes on each of the tests to run through yeah. those. But in the meantime, we are going to, in the next hour or so, run through the highlights of each game from the rest of the tour, which is yeah. all we've been able to get access to. There are highlights on YouTube uploaded seemingly by a hedgehog who filmed it on their own back and have uploaded footage to, to YouTube. So a uh, quick quick apology for that, because we genuinely mm. really wanted to go for every single game, even though it's late, even though the lines is over and irrelevant now for the next four years. We did really want to do that. And like, I kind of still do. And it's uh, it's annoying because I think there was probably demand. And the first two episodes of this Lions series have done really, really well. And a lot of you have listened to it, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, so this will have to make do for the time being, I'm afraid, because this is all we had access to. Yeah, sorry about that. But... It does mean that we get to talk about rugby. And I don't know about you, but I love rugby and it's really different. <laughs> I do. There's so many values and there's uh, just so much, so much going on with rugby that is really great. And in particular, I love the thing about rugby, which is that they play matches, right? So for anyone unfamiliar, for anyone that's forgotten in the, the time since that Lions test, what happens in rugby is two te- there'll be uh, one group of, of, of people. They mm-hmm. always split it by gender, so it'll always be men or women. Um, okay, okay. We'll always come yeah. together, and I'll have 15 of them, and I'll have some other guys, like, milling about, like, helping, you know, just, like, helping them have a nice what, time. What do um, they do? Oh, let's not get onto that. Um, we're getting ahead of ourselves, you know? Let me finish. Okay. Um, so, and then there'll be another group of the same sort of thing, same sort of 15 men uh, or 15 women. So the and... exact same 15 men? Yes. Uh, there's two There's two copies of this exact yeah. same 15 group of men yeah. slash did you not watch? Did you not watch the Lions? It was, exactly, no, 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 it was I, the same I, team playing each other I've twice. I've actually never seen a full game of rugby. Okay, right. I'm going to end this podcast because you're clearly the wrong person to do it with. Um, <laughs> I have been the whole and... fucking time. Why do you think we always divert the conversation from rugby? Anyway, what's your, what's your favourite Wallace and Gromit film? I mean, it's the wrong trousers. Yeah, me too. Okay, that's a short conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what podcasts are. They're just short conversations. 
Have you actually stopped recording? No. No, cool. What are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. I can see that much. <laughs> I felt like it was a short conversation, so it was over. Oh, okay, okay. Do you, want to, do you want to carry on explaining the sport of rugby to me? No, I don't. No, I don't. No, okay, no, fair fun. enough. Basically, right, there were some rugby matches in 2009. That's what I was getting at. You know, okay. I was just trying to move us along. So the third game, the Life Bed and Tour, the first we're going to talk about today, is was a, was uh, the che- Cheaters, right? Uh, there were the Cheaters. And uh, they also played, there was the name of the team, not just what they got up to. So, to quickly look at the teams, the Lions put out the all Welsh back three of Lee Burnley, Halfpenny, and Shane Williams. And the all... <laughs> in the centres. Have you seen who the Lions had in the centres for this game? I have literally just seen it. Luke Fitzgerald at 12 and Keith Earls at 13. Oh my God. That is I... taking the piss. With James Hook at 10 and Harry Ellis at 9. The British and Irish Lions. In one of my pre- the previous episodes, I remember taking the piss out of the fact that Leinster played Luke Fitzgerald mm. as a 12. I didn't realise the Lions did it. I can only assume that they maybe had somebody pull out before the game and he ended up getting drafted in there. No, That's... so I remember Luke Fitzgerald saying in the build-up of this tour that he really wanted to play in the centre and that was his goal was he wanted to play full-back and centre and he didn't like playing on the wing, right. um, which is a very typical winger thing to say. You know, Rico yeah, Ioane's yeah. done it recently. You get it happen a lot of players who are really good wingers and they are their skill set is that of a winger, but because, you know, if you play at a lower level and you are an international class winger, you will be playing in another position most likely because you have the skill set and ability to play yeah. any position in the backs to a higher level and, you know, sure. someone who is... Uh, clearly a 10 but to the standard of Sunday League rugby sure. um, so Fitzgerald played a lot of rugby at fullback and centre in as, yeah. a, as a ween and was convinced that he was going to be a fullback or centre in adult rugby and oh, you know professional rugby and he was not no 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 he was just Ian a McGeekin very good went. winger yeah yeah Ian McGeekin went let's give this a go let's try this let's put For Luke context. Fitzgerald at 12 on the highlights package we watched, I didn't once see Luke Fitzgerald. No, no, I didn't notice him. You notice Keith Earls, because there is a moment yes. where James Hook does a chip over the top, Keith Earls regathers, steps everyone and scores. And yeah. you do, I mean, look, like it's a great try, really nicely taken, but you do find yourself thinking, this is the British and Irish Lions. Sure. And it's James Hook to Keith Earls. Yeah, yeah. Especially given how bad Keith Earls was in that first game. And you yeah. know what? Fair play to him catching that, that chip. And it was a really good finish, actually. He did, he did, as you say, he stepped around the fullback and won the wingers. And like he showed a good bit of pace to finish it. And then got an embrace by Lee Halfpenny wearing a red scrum cap, which looked weird. Yeah. Lee Halfpenny wore a red scrum cap for this tour. Yeah. And I never saw him wear one either side. He just wore a red scrum cap just for this tour. Yeah. Just fashion choice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Maybe he had some kind of brand deal with the colour red. Yes. Yeah, we, we almost had one of those sorted. Yeah, um, yeah. But I didn't want to I didn't want to alienate anything. Maybe it was Simply Red. Um, It was not the band Simply Red. The band red Simply Man. Red. The band Simply Red do not listen to this podcast. Red Man, Red, the Red, the Red Man does. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. That's good. Um, does Method Man so, listen to this podcast? No. No. No, he's got better things to be doing. Um, he does. He <laughs> does subscribe to Egg Chasers, like though. <laughs> no, he's yeah. He definitely doesn't like rugby. He listens to Egg Chasers. So <laughs> on the opposition backline, right? 
we had uh, a man who made a big impression on me on this tour, and I think on a lot of people, uh, Daniel Dimas on the wing. Um, yes. Who was... I remember watching this. He was fantastic in this game. Uh, he then got called up late to play in the South Africa A team. They called him up on the back of this game. Uh, he was quite an unknown at this point. He wasn't that you know well-established, but he yeah. played quite well for them that season, um, yeah. having played quite well in the Curry Cup the season before. So kind of, yeah, got drafted in. Uh, he then, after this, went on to go and play for Eroni. Does anyone, hands up at the back if you remember the team Eroni. Yeah. And you know what? I think this is actually, this sets a really, really good example. Mm. Because I do think if a fairly lesser known African winger plays well, they should be picked up by a secondary Italian team. Yes. And that's what da- Daniel Damas signing for Aroni and being brilliant for them is certainly foreshadowing Chad Plato playing for Zebra. Absolutely. And look, Daniel Damas, I think, was the best player in the 2009 Rugby World Cup, right? Name one player who played better in a Rugby World Cup in 2009. Uh, Tommy Isaacs. Tommy Isaacs. Because oh, yeah, the yeah. It, was it was the Sevens World Cup, the way it was won. Oh, yeah, um, so I ruined my own point there. Uh, in the 15 aside World Cup, you cannot name a single player who played better than Dan Ward Yeah. Um, and also, he was genuinely Aroni's best player for the like, year. Yeah, yeah. There. I can remember once him playing against the Scarlets and him just doing loads of mad shit and like, scoring tries completely on his own when he had completely like terrible players next to him. Mm. And uh, I just remember there was one point where the Scarlets kicked in the ball and he was stood in his own half and he just for absolutely no reason did a reverse pass across the field under no pressure. And he nailed it. It was great. And the commentators lost their mind. So I've got the photos for him on his profile on ESPN Scrub Up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a handful of photos with captions from his time at Aroni, okay? Uh, there are, yeah, five photos of him at Aroni. One of them is him tackling Dave Carney. He says Aroni's Daniel Dimas tackles Lenses Dave Carney, right? Fair enough. The others are uh, Daniel Dimas crosses the, tr- crosses the line for his solo try. Aroni when Daniel Domas celebrates his solo try. Aroni when Daniel Domas dives over for a solo try. Nice. <laughs> so, and then the other one is Aroni when Daniel Dimas prepares to pass. Why? <laughs> Which I think sums up his time at Aroni. Yeah. Every yeah. now and again, a team would kick loosely and he would score. And that was yeah, all of their points in that game. And like he, he was kind of really this, good, man. He had this USP at Aeroni of being a good rugby player. Yeah, but, but it was didn't like really sign they, another one to those. I think I think what they did at Aeroni, right, was they had a game plan, and they, they realized that the game plan was basically be a bit shit because then the opposition get the ball and there's a chance they might kick it loosely to Dimas. <laughs> they might sink to your level. <laughs> yeah, and I, look, it worked. If if this podcast was being recorded 12 years ago, we would mm. definitely have started a petition for Dan Wardemus to sign for Aeroni. And mm. you know what? Good on Aeroni for actually going ahead and doing it, you know? Big, was yeah, it Roland Zebra. Phillips who was in charge of Aeroni? Roland Phillips was in charge of Zebra. No, of Aeroni, sorry. Aeroni, yeah. yes. So who knows? If Roland Phillips was in charge of Zebra, he probably would be starting Chad Plato. By the way, I recommend anybody listening to go and look at Chad Plato's Wikipedia page. It's pretty good at the minute. Um, <laughs> just a just a little um, aside there. So elsewhere in that cheetah's team, um, yeah. we had uh, Jacques Louis Pocketer, not to be confused with Jacques Pocketer at ten. Yeah, thank God. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, there's some horrible stories about Jacques Pocketer yeah. recently as well. Uh, he yeah went on to play for Lyon and uh, Bayonne in France. Adrian Strauss starts at hooker. Yes. I mean, 
his cousin pack. Richard Strauss, who then went on to play for Ireland, on the bench. Mm. WP Nell is also on the bench for the Cheetahs. Wow, um, yeah. Which is... So they've got stands out. two future Lions qualified players on the bench. Yeah, sure, who didn't get picked for the Lions, but were both, you know... Around when they, they could have they could have been um, in contention, you know. Uh, and I mean, probably the most significant thing about their team is Heinrich Brousseau is starting for them. Yes, Heinrich Brousseau, uh, who wasn't in the Springbok squad initially, so was allowed to be picked, um, yeah. and they called him up, uh, yeah. which was frankly a daft thing. Why would you not pick Heinrich Brousseau? Yeah, yeah, he he was unbelievably good around this time, um, and you know we'll, we'll we'll come on to more of Heinrich Brousseau as these episodes go he on. But also want to throw mention to a guy called Jerry Oden, Oden, Odendahl on the bench um, who this was his only game for the Cheetahs oh wow I have so, not heard of him but nope, uh, I that's wish why. him well also a guy and called so, to him. Floors which is a great name for um, a flooring company you know that's that's excellent tell Colin Chavez um, yes. so, Kabamba Floors went on to win one cap for oh had already by this point won one cap for South Africa oh, nice. against England Twickenham Oh, nice. Um, I do not recognise his name at all. No. Nope. So, yeah. But, but, so the game. The game. Yes. Um, so, st- there was that um, uh, Keith Earls try you mentioned. Stephen Ferris also scored a try, which is pretty much identical to the one he scored in the previous game, but from yeah, a much shorter so, no. range. So, the ball spills out of a ruck just outside the 22, right? Outside yeah. the Cheetah's own 22. Um, they had the ball. The ball spills out of the ruck. Stephen Ferris sees it in front of him, picks it up and runs in a straight line and scores, right? Yeah. He has to cover about 20 metres. Stuart Barnes on commentary then loses his mind, right? This is a quote. That pickup, that change of direction, that sheer pace was devastating, right? Stephen Ferris picked up a ball in front of him and ran in a straight line with nobody chasing him. 11 minutes into the game when he's probably not done anything yet. Uh, 11 minutes into the game, he picked up a that ball was the first score and of the game. jogged jogged in a straight line he wasn't even going at full pace it was one of those where you think the referee is going to call it back because no one quite no one can quite believe it but Ferris puts the ball down but Miles no Stuart Barnes loses his mind over how devastating that he was just a change of direction there was no change of direction <laughs> he literally he just goes in a straight post. line yeah he doesn't even take it under the post he just goes I'm in a straight sure. line away picks it up he, he picked the ball up, got out his sat-nav and figured out which direction would be the quickest to get the posts to run in without needing to change direction at all. And he ran perfectly straight in that direction. I'm pretty sure he didn't do that because I watched it. <laughs> and I watched it back to see if there was any change of direction. There was not. He is jogging but, in a straight line. I'll tell you what, though. You did watch it back and fair enough, you, you checked to see if there was a change of direction mm. and there was none. Did you watch it back with the intention of thinking, I wonder if he pulls out a sat-nav? Because sometimes you don't notice. I, look, I I don't want to big myself up. I don't want to be too yes, um, you do. self-aggrandizing. But if there's one thing I'm quite good at, it's spotting when someone takes a sat-nav out of their pockets while playing professional sports. <laughs> <laughs> I usually have to go back I've over never, games. I've never missed a time in which a professional athlete during a game has taken a sat-nav out of their pocket. You know what? Um, right? There was a really no. subtle one that happened in the ping-pong at the Olympics. Uh, oh, that was really controversial, actually. Where, yeah, yeah. Because um, the guy figured out stupid. he had to go to the other side of the table because that's where the ball was headed. But thankfully, he lost the point anyway because the ball travels quite fast in ping-pong. The ball just moved straight past him. It was really, yeah. really dumb. It was really um, stupid to get your sat-nav out. You don't have time, man. Yeah, I mean, it cost him his first straight Olympic medal. It was very, very stupid. 
Yes. So the lions at some point have someone sent to the Simbin, and I don't know who it was, and I don't want to find out. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I... Fair enough. Uh, it was Stephen Ferris. It was Stephen Ferris. Did he jog yeah. in a straight line? Yeah, I think so. I think he like, sat now to find the Simbin. Stephen Ferris then gets injured um, and goes a off. Full so... house. Yeah. <laughs> he gets a try, he gets a yellow card, and he gets an injury. <laughs> That's the forward's dream. He, his career and no, uh, tour ending, and he goes home. Yeah, bless, bless Stephen Ferris. Yeah. Who had a weird, there was like a weird 48 hour period where Stephen Ferris kept mentioning me, and it was odd, um, the other week. Um, where he mentioned me on two programs he was doing, two like punditry gigs. He mentioned me twice and he tweeted about me. And he's just, he just, I wish he, I, I wish Stephen Ferris didn't fancy me so much. But there we go. No, it was very flattering. Thank you, Stephen, who is not listening. Who is definitely, he's listening. Stephen Ferris is not listening. So, better be listening. the Lions start to pull ahead a bit. And then suddenly up pops our boy, Dumas. Yes. Potgitter sets the try up and it's it's a really really nice try uh, in the end and then like not long after that as well they have their mm. prop Dupria scores a try which is just from really terrible defence and you love it when these Tory sides score tries against the Lions and you just go oh this should be concerning because yeah. that was that was very bad but yeah uh, and I mean that, that Dupria lad is huge uh, yeah. and just com- tumbles over Lee Byrne like he's not there it's a classic forward bumping someone at amateur rugby try yeah yeah properly and lines him up bam then grounds the has the ball in one arm so that he can ground it over the guy's shoulder yeah yeah and at that point so the, the teams go in at half time having scored two tries apiece but the lines are still slightly in the lead but then the cheaters start to pull it back a bit especially when the lions think oh i've got i've got a tactic lads why don't we give it to Shane? Which is usually a pretty good thing. And then um, it doesn't go very well. Shane gives an interception pass. And unfortunately, Francois Ace goes the whole way. And the cheaters are very much back in the game. Yeah. The thing I love about this try, right? Mm. So Francois Ace, who is, of course, a flanker and a quick flanker at that. He takes the ball from Shane Williams, who it's a really panicked offload that he gives. And he's not sprinting the length of the field. And then Doel Dimas just runs up outside and like, yeah, give me the ball. I can sprint in a bit faster in case, you know, thinking yeah. sometimes it happens. You get the interception, you're in the clear, but you think I'm going to give it to the quicker guy anyway, just to ensure this is a try. And the whole time, Ace is just kind of staring at him, just like, uh, just ignoring him. Just like, no, no, I'm going to go the whole way with this. No, no, stop asking for the ball, Dewell. He runs out towards the touchline um, rather than towards the post in order to you know, get away from the cover and then jogs back in towards the post when he realises he's clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also him running towards the touchline is to kind of cock block his mate who's trying to ask for the ball from him. A little bit, a little bit. You know, they they run over towards each other. Maybe they're just having a little chat. Maybe they just, you know, they want to catch up. They want to talk about what it's like to uh, sign for Aroni. Um, Forgive me, it's Cornet Ace, not uh, Francois Ace. Um, My bad. Uh, Who scores the try? Who's the centre rather than the flanker? But he's quick anyway, regardless. Yeah. So... Should we talk about the pass by Shane Williams? <laughs> we can. It's not good. It's really not good, is it? Um, I don't know. I also we... want to mention, I didn't realise this. Uh, Corne Ace played 11 games for Newcastle and five for sale. Did he? I have no memory of him whatsoever. I don't remember him either. No. But he left Newcastle mid-season, yeah. went to sale, barely played for either of them. Uh, and then that right. was that. 
That was right, his career. Okay. I um, don't know if we're planning on doing uh, a man of the match and a dick of the day for every single game. I was thinking. But I think Shane Williams has this wrapped up if we are. It's very... I mean, Shane Williams is reigning world player of the year at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had done basically nothing form. when given the, you know, on the first couple of games. And it's very clearly him trying too hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he panics and yeah. chucks a pass that was never on for a second. And like, there isn't even really the support. Like, nothing would have come of it, you know? It's just someone else would have been tackled. It would have been an the extra same couple spot. of yards if that. Yeah. If that, I don't. Yeah. I don't think anything good is coming of him throwing that pass. Yeah. But he throws it anyway. You know, you know, fancy doing too much. It's terrible. Yeah. It's yeah. very bad by um, Shane Williams. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if, if if you want to stick him on the dick of the day tally, then you can yes. probably do so, that. I think we should do this. I think we should pick a man of the match and dick of the day for each game. Okay. Um, when we have like nothing to go off on the. Yeah, we're going off highlights. highlights. I'm gonna, hey, gonna give we, it a go. we did it with DJ Khaled. So it's very true. It it's very true. Uh, and I will add, so the score was 24-26 to the Lions. And then yes. in the last play of the game, well, the sort of second to last oh. play of the game, it was 78 minutes, Potgitter goes for a drop goal. <coughs> and it's an incredible attempt. No, He's... it's um, Stravan, the replacement. Oh, is it? Okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah. He, go- he goes for a drop goal from about 50 yards out and it's very close to getting it over. And obviously that would have won the game. And the Lions can consider that a lucky escape that they've come away from this game. And they won 26-24. Yeah, no, it was a really good strike and fair play for him going for it. It looks um, like the Cheetahs were much the better team going off the highlights. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... he um, started well, but the Lions, it looks like they kind of got dominated for the rest of the game. I don't know. I think... I don't know. I don't... I didn't get that impression. But I think, yeah, Strevham... I, very, very, I love the balls of him. Call, like, he's screaming for it a few phases early. And then only narrowly misses it from, as you say, about 47 metres. Yeah. Uh, like he's just inside the It's a great half. strike. Just it's inside a brilliant strike. Half, rather. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really good strike. Really close. And he's not so directly between post or anything. Like he is, you know, yeah. it's a really difficult kick. Like, yeah. We're looking at basically only the one and only Tynes Kotzer nailing that. Um, yes. So <laughs> if only they'd brought Tynes Kotzer in by now. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. probably still filling out his UCAS form at this point. So yeah. he wasn't quite there. But still, okay, so uh, should we do Man of the Match first? Yes, my Man of the Match. Going going off just the highlights, it always makes it a much less fair representation. My Man mm-hmm. of the Match is going to be Danwell Damas. Yes, I'm going for Danwell Damas as well. Yeah. Danwell Damas. Just based on the highlights alone, it's definitely not a fair representation of who was the best player in the game because uh, it's quite hard to tell, obviously, going off a five-minute highlights package, but sure, it's definitely. Nah, I think it's pretty accurate. I think we're pretty spot on on yeah. everything we say and do. Um, so, game number two? No, 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 Dick of the Day. Dick of the Day, oh, Dick Shane of the Williams. Day. Shane Williams, yeah. It's Shane Williams. So I could, I could game... of course, be... Um, be really petulant to our good friend of the pod, uh, Tom Savage, and give it to Keith Earls instead. But uh, no, Shane Williams. It's Shane Williams, which probably it's puts Shane him Williams. in the lead in terms of um, the tally of this tour. No, he's he's level with Keith Earls. Oh, okay. Uh, on Dick of the Day, and Daryl Demas is level with Lee Byrne on Man of the Matches. <laughs> <laughs> so can we get Daryl Demas Man of the series? He plays again against South Af- for South Africa A against the Lions, of course. So he so could be Man of the Series. <laughs> Oh man, that would man. What gone. a signing Aroni made! So the second game or the fourth game on tour was against the Sharks. 
this was a, another rugby match. Uh, the Lions made a lot of changes to the team. They thankfully yeah. did not, but Lucas showed at 12 again. Uh, he moved on to the wing. Jamie Roberts and Brian O'Driscoll they, came yeah, in the centres. They brought in two guys called Jamie Roberts and Brian O'Driscoll in the centres. Jamie Williams played 14, which yeah, is always unlikely. That's I don't like it. Yeah. yeah, it makes me like, it makes my skin itch. Yeah, um, yeah, I know what you mean. We had Ronaldo and Mike Phillips as halfbacks. Which, you know, like when halfbacks are famously always chippy and, you know, have something to say, it helps when it's not against each other. Sure, sure. Because uh, those two famously have a very rocky relationship. Yeah. uh, I think one of them has spoken about art since and said that didn't change on this tour, that Mm. they were still very um, chippy with each other when they were still on the same team. So about um, two months after the Lions tour, I think start of the following season, the sort of 2010, 2009-10 season, one of the guys was asked about the tests and he said he felt he should have started all three tests. Um, it took him a few months to say it, unlike Finn Russell, it took him a week. Um, <laughs> I actually think, right, it says a lot about Warren Gatland and how afraid of him Finn was that he waited until he was out of isolation to oh, say that. Of course, that. of course. Because Given, you know, he dropped the... Greg, he's several times dropped Gregor Townsend yeah. in it immediately after games. Yeah, 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 he yeah, waited there's... a full week to say anything about Gatland. The, the 2019 Scotland Linden game where literally yeah. he was, as soon as the final whistle went, they pulled him for an interview and then he basically just like, oh yeah, I've just told Gregor to fuck off at half time and said, no, I'm going to play my own game. I think his tactics were just completely, you know, nuts and I we saw Finn interviewed after full time and he didn't say that but he no. did say it a week on so I think he's he's clearly he has a, a great of level of respect but mostly fear for Gatland yeah yeah 100% you know he waited until Gatland was stuck in isolation in New Zealand for him to say yes. it like he's got to wait 14 days before he can get me yes yeah, so, no, so, so 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 oh. O'Driscoll no O'Gara said he should start the free tests oh yeah and then he said, well, they kept talking about combinations, but I don't have a problem with Mike Phillips. That season, the Ospreys and Munster were drawn in the Heineken Cup and O'Gara and Phillips famously didn't shake hands after yeah. the game. They yeah, walked they straight past each other without making eye contact. And it was great because it was one of those unspoken moments of disrespect. And that, for me, is what makes rugby different, is, um, is Absolutely. the lack of values. And I'm here for it. I love it. I, I Yeah. Um, I want more. Shut up, rock.co.uk. Like, in order for that to happen in football, like, Wayne Bridge had to sleep with John Terry's wife. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Whereas for it to happen in rugby, just two people had to be massive pricks and meet. Yeah, literally, literally. And the thing is, right, that definitely happens all the time in rugby. Um, yeah. There's, there's, there'll be so many examples we're not aware of. And that's great. And it always it happened recently, didn't it? Ellis Genge didn't shake someone's hand. Oh, there's... And everyone on Twitter went for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And him not clapping in the tunnel. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, this is disgraceful. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, no, come it's on, not. Like, Grow yeah. up. He lost a game playing for his country. Like, he's dreamt of doing this his whole life. Of course, he yeah. wants to win. There was, there was another one where. And um, especially a player like Ellis Genge, right? Who has come from nowhere. You know, he's come from a yeah. really rough bit of Bristol. He had no shot of doing this. This is beyond a dream come true to yeah. be representing England. Yeah. Um, you know, let him do it. It's not like there's a lot of chance. kind of posh boys who've gone, well, when I grow up, I'm going to play for England. Yeah. Whereas for the likes of Genji and Sinclair and so on, and like, it's who've come from, you know, very working class backgrounds. It wasn't a consideration. It wasn't something you could yeah. do. So this, yes, it means a lot. You there's know? a lot of things that Ellis Genji does that I'm against, you know, <laughs> uh, and that is definitely not one. of There was one, it, I think it was in the France-Australia tests over the summer where hmm. there was an example of somebody goes to shake somebody's hand and the other guy just goes, no, you're all right. Uh, and that was caught on camera. And I can't, I can't remember for the life of me who it was. I'm going to have to find Classic this. Classic France. Yeah. Classic France. Yeah. Bloody Carbonell, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it probably was, to be honest. I can't remember who it was. It might not have even been France yeah. Australia, but I will find this. No, that was such a fun Ramshackle series. I can't imagine there being yeah. any controversy around That's it. That's true, actually. Yeah. Everyone enjoyed it. The only so controversy was which test was best. The, um... Yeah. Everyone enjoyed it so much that they avoided, avoided the whole values talk afterwards because they actually enjoyed the rugby more yeah. than usual. Anyway, so moving on to good. the. Moving on yeah, to so the line of opposition. The... Uh, yes. So they had Stefan Turblanche at fullback, Osprey's right. legend. This was Rory Stephen Cockett Tur- playing at nine. Yeah. So Stefan Turblanche, uh, pose Osprey for pre Ulster. Yeah. So a mid, a weird mid period in Stefan yeah. Turblanche's career. Um, yeah. You know, like the weird experimental album in the middle. Um, yeah. Adri- Andrea Strauss, yeah. who is Adrian's brother, of course. And so they at 10, Stephen they have Sykes M. Drummond. Drummer. And I thought it was Mitch Drummond, but it's Monty Drummond, who Mon- I've never heard Monty of. Monty Dumont. So yeah, Jean yeah, Desel and Johan Moller, who of course both went to Ulster as well after this. Keegan Daniel at number eight. Like, it's actually uh, a really good team. Uh, Andres Strauss. of course. Uh, Loisi and Vovo on the bench. Charles McLeod on the bench. Michael Rhodes is on the bench. Pre Saracen. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. You forget he's here somewhere in a financial district of London. Pre yeah. used to play for Saracens. Like, there was a career before it. Is it Loisi and Vovo on the bench? And like I, I'm looking at this, and like with all the teams we've watched the Lions play against so far, I'm thinking Stephen like Sykes? this is remember yeah, Stephen Sykes. Yeah, I'm looking at this and thinking like this is the best fifteen they've, they've, they've played against. The final score was Natal Sharks three, Lions thirty nine. Yeah, did not go particularly well. But then it's also probably the best fifteen the Lions have put out. It's the yeah. one closest team that stopped. Very true. It pretty much actually, I think it. Is the team that's over Adam Jones in at tight head for Phil Vickery? Yeah, it's other and largely um, a test team. So the the two wings aside, yeah, the wingers kind of swap. The wingers and Adam Jones. So there's and I suppose Rono Gara are the only change. So it's eleven of the fifteen that starts the first test. Yeah, are are starting there. Yeah, um, so it's it's very, pretty much the core of the team. team. And again, you're putting the World Player of the Year in on the wing. You know, for yeah. Uga Manu or Tommy Burke. Yeah. Like that's not. It's not a big loss. No, no. And no. you're putting the tight head that ends up starting because he's the best tight head they had on tour. Sure, yeah. So the Lions only score one try in the first half, and that is through Liam Mears. And did you see his try celebration after this? Yes, I did, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was... Abs- I mean, look, we've heard a lot of stories about Liam Mears and the sort yeah. of things he get up to. And it's, you know, it's a really nice try. You know, Mike Phillips, or, you know, nice forwards try. There's a lot of sort of rumbling. Mike Phillips spots a bit of a gap, goes through, offloads. Uh, they're stopped one yard short. And Mia's just kind of spots spots opportunity, drives over. I remember at the time thinking he'd been the Lions' best player in that for 20 minutes when they played quite poorly. Yeah, um, sure. So he scores the try. He goes right over. And he instantly, instantly transitions. Like he becomes almost a different person the moment he scores. Well, he, he looks quite different, doesn't he? When you yeah, he maybe suddenly, his attire is is quite different. He suddenly doesn't look like a professional rugby player. Certainly he looks not a like, British lion. He looks like someone who I don't know would sell maybe, some sort of snack. Maybe, I think I I would, uh, and please pull me up if you disagree with me, man. Mm. Like, look, look, we you can trust me, right? We've mm. we've got this, but like, he looks like the sort of guy who's maybe selling some crisps. You think crisps? I think crisps. Mainly what because of the of t-shirt he wears that says, I sell crisps. Yeah. But his try the... celebration is to take his t-shirt off, put on a different one. In, in fact, wait, he didn't need to put on a different one. He has the other one underneath. He has it underneath. He has it yeah. underneath. And then he goes into the crowd and starts selling them and some opposition players who are on the bench it was... some crisps. You remember uh, Mario Balotelli? 
lifting yeah. up his t-shirt and having the why is it always me yeah uh, he does yeah. that leave me as turns the camera pulls up his shirt and it says i sell crisps yeah exactly and then he starts selling some of the opposition uh, replacements some crisps Loazi and Vovo was the player who turned them down was like no 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 no, yeah, no yeah. I don't want them but Michael Rhodes but, took a few bags Pat Silliers took a few bags Pat, I was Craig about Burden. to say Pat oh, Silliers Craig Burden was playing Pat Silliers just eats a full bag of Watsits right yeah. and he if you check World Rugby's laws he should have been banned and I think they let him off because this is technically an exhibition match it's not in competition if he, if this has happened in say the Six Nations World Rugby Championship uh, Tri-Nations as it was sure. at the time um, Pat Silius would have been banned for six months for accepting crisps from Lee Mears on the field yeah right? yeah however they let him off with only a one week suspension mm. and obviously the Sharks weren't playing the following weekend so yeah. nothing came of it he was alright to play for the Emerging Springboks a few weeks later here's the thing how mm. how many crisps would you say are in a bag of Watsits? Exactly. Like, I need an exact number of 42? Hold on. Should I get a bag of crisps 42. and count them? No. I've got some um, commas over there. So, um, 42. That means he po- he paid £4.62 to Lee Mears at that point. Wow. He sells he's, he sells his crisps, crisps for 11p each, as we established. Before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, that was that was one of the weird try celebrations of mm. the tour. He sold a few crisps. So okay, so look, Pat Sillias, right? Mm. Obviously, I'm not going to say he's some kind of like chili boy Ralapelle or anything. No, right? of course not. Um, of course not. But we did see him take performance enhancing crisps in this game. Maybe chili heatwave okay. boy Ralapelle. <laughs> <laughs> we we did see him take performance enhancing crisps in this game, right? Uh, we then saw. A few fast forward three years on from here, right? Uh, Silly is he's played for the Emerging Spring Box. He's been f- hanging around kind of South African rugby for quite a while, yet to win that elusive South African cap, right? Yeah. At which point, Heineken Mayer, the then Spring Box coach, goes, I need two people to join my squad, two people to be called up for the upcoming, the upcoming series, the upcoming rugby championship. And so, do you know who the two players he calls up are? Pat Silly at once and Chidaboy Ralapelle. <laughs> Sia Khaleesi. Oh my God. He calls up wow. for their first caps, Pat Silliers and Sia Khaleesi. Okay. So those two players are brought into the squad instantly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Khaleesi goes on, as we see, from to be exactly what he needed and be one of the all-time greats. Right. I've just remembered what Pat happened Silius, to Silliers. Yeah. He went to London Irish, didn't he? He, <laughs> he went to London Irish to be nearer the Kettle Chips oh, factory. Oh, never mind. Um, oh, okay. And when he got there, he was gutted to discover that they sell cr- kettle chips. You know how Lee Mears sold crisp for 10p a crisp? 11p, um, actually. 11p a crisp, sorry. And so, obviously, they they were they were pretty expensive to buy a bag, right? Yeah. Pat Silly has went for if you were directly to the factory and get the crisps cheaper than for a wholesaler like Lee hmm. Mears. And when he got to the factory, uh, he discovered that actually kettle chips charge you 16p per crisp. And they are. That's why they're so posh. That's that's shocking. That is that is, that um, is shocking. Yeah. So basically, and so, is but bargain. it was what happened to it, right? Because he reached this point in which, because the IB had worked out no way to test your urine for crisps, no one realised that his, the entire way through his career, from this moment on, from the moment Lee Mears offered him offered him some watsits, Pat Silliers was taking crisps his entire career, right? Uh, Heineken Mayer found out and made Sia, you know, made him watch an inspirational tutorial on Sia Khaleesi on how great he was and how he got here completely without ever eating a crisp in his life. 
But Pat Silius remained addicted to crisps. And I say it wasn't until he went to London Irish and realized how extortionate prices in London are for everything that yeah. uh, he was forced to finally, finally contemplate his future. And really, he turned himself around at London Irish, which is something that's never happened. It's the only time anyone's ever done anything of any moral worth at London Irish, uh, who are a bankrupt club um, who continue to enable sex offenders. Yeah, wankers. Well, if only they were. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh... No, sorry. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Um <laughs> Uh, rugby, maybe. So, what happened in the game? Um, oh, yeah. So, the second half. So, um, the Lions do score another try in that first half. Oh, no, it is second half, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, so Mike Phillips scores a try. The first angle, it looks like, you know, well taken gap by Mike Phillips. He then, you know, does that thing of not passing and eventually scores himself yeah, in the corner. He slides around the winger, dummies past the fullback. It's quite, it's a very nice solo try. Did you see it from the reverse angle? I did. In the kind of behind the post angle. Yeah, yeah. Did you see how big the gap around the was? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just that thing of like, we, like every scrum off has tried to make that break before, but like yeah. usually defenders don't leave you a gap that big, so it's not that easy. No. Right. I was watching that game on TV as a 15 year old or whatever I was in Nottingham, right? A 10 year old. What, what, how old was I? I don't know. A age. Six. 14. 14, I think. Right? There was, I was closer to the ruck than the first defender, than the guard was. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I think I was in the living room shouting, yeah, I'm first post. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was absurd. You could have, you could have driven Lee Mia's crisp van through it. Like, it was, it, it was genuinely about, about a sixth of the field left open yeah. near the ruck. Yeah. It was it was pretty poor, but a, a very well taken try by Phillips. Like, okay, the, there is one really defender in the way, and that's the referee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The referee is stood in the way, and he's the only thing in any way impeding Mike Phillips from mm. going straight through. No, I do enjoy Phillips's finish on this though. Like, I like the way mm. he slides outside that winger, and then I I, I like the dummy pass that he was realistically never going to throw, even the fullback did commit yes. to him. It was it was good, and you know he, he he finishes it well, and he probably still talks about it to this day. So yeah. <laughs> Of course he does, he's Mike Phillips. Uh, there's another really nice try that the Lions score where... So I remember watching this try back on YouTube because it's a really nice try where Brian O'Driscoll makes a mm. breakdown on the wing, then gives the pass right at the last second to Luke Fitzgerald. Yeah. Um, where it's, it's really good. Like he it's has the initial burst of acceleration. He's holding the ball in one hand, transfers it to yeah. two hands, dummies it, then waits until the ball back into Stefan to Blanche. It's completely fixed onto him. Then yeah. passes to Fitzgerald like yeah. two yards from the line. Because it, it looks like he's going to butcher it at some point, doesn't it? Yeah, It looks yeah. like at some point he's going to run at the wrong speed or in the wrong direction or something. And it's like, no, 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 no. He, he's just running like he's intending to go the whole distance. So obviously people have to pincer in on him. And then mm. he, he, he just gives Luke Fitzgerald so much time and space to get in the corner to say how close to the try line and the defence they were. Uh, it's brilliant by O'Driscoll. Um, yeah. And it's just him playing with his head up at full speed and giving a really crisp pass at the very last second. I remember watching that try back on YouTube around the time in 2009 and there being a comment saying, my favourite thing about this try is that you can see Fitzgerald learning as he's scoring it, that he just wants to get the ball early and blast down the wing. Uh, and O'Driscoll instead makes him wait, makes him watch, makes you know, waits until the defender's gone, then lets him finish it, then lets him score it. And I think, you know, I think there's something in that, even if it is a you know, a bit 
totally put. And I think there's something quite nice in the fact that you can see when you watch it back now, Fitzgerald is frustrated that Bod doesn't give him the ball right away. Yeah, yeah And he yeah, calls for him, you know, and he kind of, he then gets way too flat because he's, you know, tried to time his run onto a pass mm. that Bod doesn't throw. And then when he eventually does, there's there's no way Fitzgerald isn't finishing it. Like he is, yeah. Bod has taken everyone else out. It's really, it's proper like masterclass in how to, in broken field rugby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and the way best thing too about many players learning, can't fix isn't it? Absolutely. It's yeah, values and learning. learning. Yeah. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. So then Lee Burns scores a try on the 69th mm. minute. That's pretty nice. So, yeah, that's, I mean, really nicely taken. Stuart Barnes compares to the try he scored against France in the Six Nations that year because it is very similar. Except mm, yeah. that one, Byrne had to pick a really great line. Here, yeah, he this one he has Brian Just has to pick a line. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, a great run to finish it. You know, he does a nice little swerve mm. inside somebody. There's a huge fend he puts in. Oh, on it's a classic. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how relatable the thing this is. It's a classic. It's raining and I'm wearing trainers, not boots. Step because um, he has to really slow down and shuffle around him, but he's still got the agility to do it. And the, yeah. You know, uh, I, I wear boots because I need all the help I can get. <laughs> See, I like to handicap myself because otherwise it'd be too good. Yeah. All right, Lee Byrne. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a good step to finish. Hey, it. And then... listen up. Cash for gold. Do you want to buy a necklace for t- 20 quid? Oh, I remember those adverts. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Lee Byrne, for anyone unfamiliar, Dragon's Lee Byrne. Captain Lee Byrne. Lee Byrne, prior to that, it was around this time. It was just after this... Um, just after this Lions tour, when he got back and was a huge star, having, you know, been, where was his best player in that Six Nations? Then really good player for the Lions before he got injured. Um, he, you know, his profile had rocketed in Wales. And Lee Byrne became the face of Cash for Gold, uh, which is a company that gives you money in exchange for gold. It's um, a pretty good business plan. Yeah. <laughs> and they did, there was an advert that used to play quite often on S4C, the Welsh Language Channel. But it would also play before basically any video you tried to watch in on Words Online, uh, which this is back in the day when videos had to really, really buffer as well. Mm. So it used to take you like a minute for it to warm up so that Lee Byrne through some pixels could shout at you, hey, listen up. And then it would zoom in and he would be there standing, holding like a gold necklace and say, do you have gold? You should sell it for money. And he takes some money out of his pocket. And then he'd go, why not go to Cash for Gold? We have locations in Newport, Swansea and Cardiff. Why not go there now? 
And then you would automatically go to cash for gold because Lee Byrne was so convincing. Lee Byrne just loves throwing around dollar bills, you know? Yeah. Just loves getting cash money out of his pocket and it's... just saying, hey, bro, you want this? Give me some gold. Is this the most capitalist lion squad ever between Lee Mears and Lee Byrne? Wait a minute, it's just people with Lee. Lee Halfpenny. Oh, yeah. What does Lee Halfpenny sell? Uh, I don't, Felt differently. I don't know. So is this... Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So they get him out of it. Wrong. Yeah. Um, not, it's not spelled wrong. It's just spelled not the correct way to be a fat capitalist lion. Uh, like yeah. the one in Robin Hood. Like yes. King John in Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah. That's actually um, Lee Byrne's nickname. That's, yeah, that's King Lee Byrne now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> that's I, Lee Byrne trying for. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we've covered that pretty well. His celebration is then to just throw dollar bills at the uh, yeah. position players. Um, Which Pat Sillies then picks up in an attempt to find Lee Mears on the bench. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Heaslip scores a really shit try. So I didn't find this on the highlights package. What happens? Oh, so um, the Lions are given two penalties in a row on the five metre line and Heaslip taps one of them uh, and the defending player just looks at him and doesn't move and then Heaslip falls over the line. Literally, that try was so forgettable or whatever. Like, I mm. literally didn't notice him score it on the highlights package. Yeah. I literally really missed that bad. try. I watched it, but I missed it. Like, it's him. his decision to take the quick tap isn't necessarily the right decision. Then mm. there's no defence, so he scores. Yeah, okay, okay. It's a really bad try from all possible angles. Sure. Sh- sh- should we just do Man of the Match and Dick of the Day yes. for this? Um, so, Man of the Match, I'm just going to say Brian O'Driscoll. Uh, I was going to say Mike Phillips. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, um, who's, who's Dick of the Day? It's got to be Pat Sillias, surely. Oh, that's a good shout. Uh, I was going to say the year 2009. No, but I will agree with you and go Pat Sillias for ruining his career and starting on the crisp train, which when you got on the crisp train, you can never get off. Oh, it never stops. Train. Yeah. <laughs> the Lions then moved on to play the Western Province. And yes. So... This is a really weird highlights package because we basically watch a bunch of Lions tries and we're going, oh, okay, they're running away with the game. And then suddenly it cuts to one Western Province try and you think, oh, they pulled one back. You know, they've got a consolation try. Yeah. Then you realise, wait a second, suddenly this makes got it like 23 20 all. Points. Yeah. yeah. This makes it 23 all with conversion to come. The conversion could put them ahead. Yeah. It's like it skips all of the drama. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it seems like this is a really close game, but like on the highlights, mm. it does not do that justice whatsoever because the Lions score three tries and the mm. province only score one. So it, it feels quite um, one-sided on the highlights yeah. package. But yeah, it's a really confusing game from Which this position. It's part of the problem of A, rugby, and B, highlights in rugby is often people assume that scoring or the big runs and tries are the most exciting mm. thing. And sometimes yeah. you then miss the actual feel of the game in highlights sure. in a way that's, you know, at least in football, the big moment is clearly the big moment, right? Yeah. Whereas in uh, rugby, as it's known, you don't n- know the game's so nebulous that yes, tries are always going to be big, but everything beyond that, you know, could be yeah. almost as important. So um, before we look at the Lions team, I would mm. like to look at the Western Province team because there yes. are two there are two Dragons legends in this team. There is Dragons legend Brock Harris Vermeulen. Oh. and Dragons legend Tondurai Shavanger on the right wing, uh, who are, you know, both great players and great guys as far as I can see. Yeah, yeah. And there was a, a moment where my, my first note on this game is, oh my God, Dewald Duvenag is at scrub half. 
Yes. Treviso captain. Because I have True. no scope of how old he is. He is 33 years old, I can tell you now. Yeah. But yeah, I, as you say, he's sort of... <laughs> I have seen Demot Duvanaga play many times over a very long... 12 years, it turns out, right? I sort of don't know who he is. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you like, mean. Like, I have... I have seen Duot Duvenaga play probably like 50 times, right? I have seen him play a lot of rugby. Yeah. I don't know who he is. <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. I know I he is a South African scrum half. That was, yeah. yeah. Um, so as well as them. So yeah. As you oh, say, mate, this is a superb team. I love so this team. Speaking of, right, team, another two, two no, no, legends on the bench. Well, we're, no, what we're saying. No, 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 no. We're in one club legend, right? We've got another Treviso legend. Uh, his halfback partner is Willem Duval. Do you remember Willem Duval? So I, I, I vaguely remember Willem Duval. I don't remember him being at Treviso. Willem, just before we started recording, we were just saying South Africa always produces this fly half, a certain fly yeah, half, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, a fly half who just kicks the lever off the ball, uh, is a really accurate goal kicker and does basically nothing else, right? Like Morley yeah. says the face of them. Morley says has more to his game, you know, and yeah. so on. Um, then you've got Yanni De Villa, you've got... Uh, uh, Uros is very much the Tiger Woods of rugby. Oh, of course um, he was. Of course we've, he was. No, so um, Joel Stransky was that 10. Yeah, Mornay Stain was that 10 for most of his career. He had a patch of about three years where he was a far more balanced 10, but he's gone back sure. to being that now. And yeah, I mean, uh, who was who, uh, Yanni De Beer? We mentioned, you, men- yeah. who was, you mentioned someone as well. Um, um, it was a really good shout. I can't remember. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, yeah, moving that, on. That fly half, that fly half, that very kicking fly half, right? Uh, Willem de Waal was the absolute pinnacle of that kind of player he was yeah. a really good goal kicker and that was it um yeah. and he then after this tour signed for treviso uh during the for the first season in the pro 14 or the right League, i don't not, do not remember um yeah so he signed for to play in the, the magnus league for treviso and he won a number of games them with late kicks and from kicking goals from right, everywhere. Okay. He was a really good signing for them during that kind of early period when they were the first good and beating teams you know, okay, kind of yeah. mid table team in the uh, pro 14 uh, very good that's a very good player very good goal kicker for Lundeval mm, um, sure. and I'd forgotten him until looking at his team sheet but yeah. he was someone I used to you know think yeah, about surprisingly yeah. often so on the bench they've got two Ospreys legends in JJ Engelbrecht mm. who doesn't make it onto the pitch and De Kock Steinkamp um, yes. on the bench uh, I think those two one game for the Ospreys I think those two played about four games of the Ospreys between them I, I reckon between the clock to about 60 minutes because Judy Engelbrecht um, played, I think, three games and then mm. got injured. Um, and, also on the bench. Yeah, de Kock Steinkamp came in injured, then played one game, got injured again, and got released from his contract. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. After, but he was there for like three years. Mm. Um, no, so the, I mean, the, the Western Province team is great. Like, and I want to yeah. take a moment. Bobo, kind of, like he's on, he's on the yeah, team. yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's on the wing. You know, obviously at this point has six caps of Africa. Uh, San Diego Legion legend Joe Peterson took the word right out of my mouth yeah the legion's own joe peterson oh, captain my captain <laughs> uh he's at fullback i mean you've got peter grant at 12 who's another player i've completely Anton forgotten Fonsale. about um peter grant he he was the springbok starting 12 for one season oh, okay. uh and then never got back in Do not um remember. yeah play 10 or 12 and there's a, a little known guy called duane the the number seven for them Mate, I want to keep it? going. I want to keep going on this. Anton Van Zale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anton, Anton Van Zale is, you know, yeah. really good second row. Went to France um, for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Liebenberg. 
Because Anton van Zell is one of those players that is always in Barbarian's teams. Yeah, sure, sure. He's a perfect, like, uncapped barbar. Uh, yeah, yeah. People kind of recognise, yeah. Then, yeah, the back row, they have, yeah, <laughs> Dwayne Vermeulen, who obviously didn't get to play against the Lions this year, but he did take that box in 2009. Uh, this was where I first heard of Dwayne Vermeulen watching that game. Yeah, me too, I remember yeah. being very good. I've been very impressed by him. And, and I watched this back on YouTube as well. Uh, Andy Powell makes a huge and completely illegal yes, shot on him. It would be a card that. nowadays. Yeah, that, that was actually where I first heard of Dwayne Vermeulen was from that yeah. video before he got like properly into the yeah. Springbox team to replace PSBs. He was 22, 23 at this point, I think. So he's 35 um, now, Dwayne Vermeulen. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. 23. Yeah. And he then went on to win. It was a few years before he won his first cap. Like I remember, oh. Dwayne Vermeulen, I remember when Dwayne Vermeulen won his first cap in 2012, being kind of surprised because it felt like he'd been around a long time. Sure. Yeah. Um, I get but you. But it meant that he kind of arrived into international rugby fully formed. Yeah. 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 100%. 100%. Rather than arriving in the He's stuck around being just as good but, ever since. You also have in the back row with him, Luke Watson. Who's Luke Watson? So Luke Watson was one of the kind of great, like, lost players. Um, right, I don't remember. So he was hyped up enormously, enormously as a as a youngster, and it never really happened for him. You know, he just right. was injury-torn the entire time because his, his father played for Springbok as well and was famously one of the kind of... He was... Oh, there's a whole thing about, uh, I forget the exact details of the story, but his father was a really big force in white players taking a stand against apartheid um, oh, okay. in South Africa. you know, And he was he made a point of going to play, his dad, going to play in kind of mixed race games, you know, back when mm. players from different ethnic minorities were separated off and weren't allowed to play in the kind of primary divisions. He, right. despite being a springbok, went off and played in a lot of the, you know, okay. the games for mixed race and so on. Uh, um enough. That's cool. Uh, and so his son then came through and was this, you know, like real phenomenon who played like when he was like 18 playing super rugby and was right. brilliant and, you know, kind of okay. called right into the spring box, was made captain when he was like 11 and was seen as like the next big thing. He was seen as like right. going to be a huge deal. Um, and in the end, yeah, he won 10 caps in the end, but that was kind of it. He went to Bath, uh, captain Bath for like two years. And then, you know, it kind of just didn't happen. He was just spent his entire career injured. Mm. Yeah, he's only okay. 37 now. So, right. you know. He should have been playing until quite recently, but instead he retired in in 2011. Right. I don't really remember him at all. Well, I don't really remember the name or anything. So, yeah, mm. that's a shame. But he, but yeah, he was one of those out. super hyped up. Like, that's a good back row with uh, Pulo yeah. as well. So, very quickly, we'll go over the Lions yes. team. Uh, so, Tommy Bowe and Rob Carney come back into the team. Stephen Jones starts at 10. Uh, like Martin Williams comes in. It's again. It's a very good team. Like there's, there's a lot of test quality players who, oh, who jump straight back in. But the bench is fun. Shane oh. Williams covers nine. Wow, I do not remember this. Shane Williams was the cover scrum half. Wow, wasn't you? I think no. I think Harry Gordon Ellis Darcy's got ill or something. Bench. Of course, Gordon Darcy's been called up by this point as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, he also doesn't make it on which is mm. a shame for him, but uh, it was a tight game. So Tommy he literally Bo... just arrived. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, fair enough. So Tommy Bow scored the first try. Uh, yes, what sorry. So it was. Yes. Um, uh, Mike Blair was due to start, pulled out of an ankle problem, and Shane Williams right. came in to cover nine. Okay, fair um, Just to yeah. tie that up. Uh, yes, brilliant opening try. try. So it starts with Andy Powell has quite a good run, and mm. then... Oh, Martin Williams' skills are, are just unbelievable. <laughs> he does this really nice little wrap-round pass to, to free up quite a lot of space. 
Rob Carney times his pass perfectly. And Tommy Bow has what originally looks like a, so- a run-in. Well, no, what he makes look like a run-in because he's not got a lot of yeah. space. And then he's wrapped up brilliantly by Peterson, this... who makes an incredible tackle on him. And it is a world-class finish by Bo, who managed to wriggle over the top of him to ground the ball. It's this insane is... strength. Superhuman. It's an unbelievable finish by Tommy Bo. Yeah. Right? If you look One at it, say, he sort seen. of catches the ball and he, he's got, like, you can see the try line in front of him. Yeah. But then... On Converge, because the lines have all been working in one direction, the entire defence has drifted across onto him. Yeah. So he has, like, at least eight or nine, probably more defenders coming across, and all of them are completely in sync. It's like it's like they're related, right? So he has ten siblings coming across to try and tackle him, and he still manages to get the ball down. <laughs> ten siblings? <laughs> he managed to get the ball down. It is much like their mother died suddenly. Christ. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic finish. It's, it's uh, world class by Bo. It's that strength, it is, the strength he shows is so so insanely good. Like for any rugby player, let alone a winger. Watching that video is the best thing, best video of Tommy Bo you'll see, unless you watch that clip of him presenting <laughs> breakfast TV. Oh, it's unbelievably good. It's the most Alan like accidental partridge thing yeah, I've ever yeah. seen. Especially from a rugby player as well. Yeah. Oh, God bless you, Tommy Bo. Um, God doesn't need to bless him again. He's already given him everything. No, um, true. Look at that guy. Such as um, such as the power to not only score but also assist. Yes. So he takes the ball on the outside of Stephen Jones and just just decides to crash through tackles. Like he just crashes through men who are like loads bigger than him and stronger. So or like really well picked line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he skates past a few people. And just as he starts to fall off balance, he kind of posts the ball over the top of the last defender to Ugo Monya, uh, who finishes the try brilliantly. Like, mm. he he sprints it in. Like, he's still got some work to do, Monya. Very different type of finish. But yeah, so yeah. Monya goes really low really early. Um, yeah. And there's never any doubt over it, despite the fact yeah. there are people around him. And there's, a, but there's shows lots a lot of players who would blow that try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Hundred percent. So that that was Tommy Bow just looking unbelievable for seven minutes there. Um, yes. And then Martin Williams scores the next try where the line's mm. been plugging away at the line for a little bit. And then Martin Williams is the one who sort of drives over on the blind it's, uh, side and dots it down. It's a very technically smart finish. classic nugget doing nugget things. Yeah. Of him, kind of everyone is picking and driving and trying to be out physical and everything. He then smuggles the ball off someone and dives under them. Yeah, and dives yeah, kind yeah. of under their legs. Yeah, comes up with a try. It's very, um, a very smart finish by forward. Very Martin Williams. Yeah. Uh, I love that guy. I love that guy. And um, afterwards, so the lines are a few tries up, and as you say, hmm. so Willem Duval gives Joe Peterson a brilliant pass over the top to score hmm. in the corner. And like th- th- at this point, the province had been really plugging away at the Lions. Like Peterson himself had done a really nice flick pass to get them into the position in the first place, and then it happened to be him who finished it on the end. And yeah, I just think it's stuff like that that gets him to sign for the greatest team in the history of MLR, the San Diego Legion. Free Jacks. No, no, no. Sign for the New England Free Jacks. No, nah, man. When did Joe Peterson sign for the New England Free Jacks? He's playing for. San we don't need Legion, him. Man. We've got we've got Bodenwacker and uh, Dougie Five anyway. You know, he's, Harry Boyd. It's really good. He's the Legion, Legion captain. He's uh, um, Harry Barlow. Team. Sorry, Harry Boyd's the ten. Yeah, but which leaves things twenty-three all. Peterson can't make the conversion, and so what is required? But a forty-five meter penalty attempt by the one and only Mister Jamez Houquet, 
he steps up, he bangs it, he nails it, and Stuart Barnes says the following line of commentary. That is a kick. His, it, it was a kick. I don't know if it still is, but... He doesn't time, even put emphasis on... That is a kick. He just says, that is a kick. Like and a child. A like a, a child looking out the window, spotting a red car. It was it was a very good kick by James Hook. Um, mm. to, and, you know, he absolutely nailed it with four minutes to go and the pressure on him. And the Lions won 23-26 as a result of that winning kick with, yeah, four minutes to go. It was 23 Another interesting thing uh, is the referee was called Mark Lawrence. Um, and when he stands over the, hook, the kick and he kind of marches James Hook back a few inches at one point before he, take, before he lines that winner up, and Miles Harrison says, Mark Lawrence... Uh, I've forgotten the referee, Mark Lawrence, and I thought they were referring to the director of a number of Hugh Grant rom-coms, uh, such as uh, the rewrite. Uh, did you hear about the Morgans, Morgan music and lyrics? He did the um, Noel on Disney Plus the other year, the Anna Kendrick is Santa now film. I thought that was, he wrote Miss Congeniality and then he started refereeing and made James Hook move back a few inches. So cool. good on good on Mark Lawrence. Should we move on to the next game? Wait, quick Man of the Match Dick of the Day. Oh, Man um, of the Match Dick of the Day. Man so of the Man of the Match for Tommy Blow. Martin Williams for me. Dick of the day, I have no idea. Maybe let's say I'm I'm gonna say Dick of the Day is the guy who put together the highlights package because you get no sense of the feel of the game from that. Yeah, that's entirely fair. I'm gonna say my Dick of the Day is Willem Duval. No reason why. Whoa. Whoa. You leave Willem Duval after this. I would have said Dufanaka, but you know, I actually quite like him. You so. don't know who he is. Yeah. Oh my god, I've just I just so the next game is the Southern Kings. I've just seen their right winger is called Wiley Human. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, their their fullback's called Tiger Mangweni. What well, I mean, so I was drawn to the fact their thirteen is Fricky Welsh, what which I've been called a few like times. Fricky Welsh. Uh, <laughs> the other wing's called Matt Turner, which yeah, really yeah. lets the team down. Yeah. So I, I checked this because I do not remember Matt Turner. Of course, no, and it is, sevens legend it is the Turner, England yeah. Sevens, Matt Turner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who now plays for the Seattle Seawolves in MLR. And I, I, I had to check this. This is his only uh, appearance for the Southern Kings. What? So he signed for them, played one game and then left. Played one of the highest profile games they'll ever play. And then just dipped. And then disappeared. Yeah. He, he then went on the following season... No, that season leading into this, he'd played three games for Bristol, two of them off the bench, and lost all of them. And then he went straight back to Bristol. So he must have just gone on a one-game loan to the Southern Kings because he wants to play against the Lions. That's what insane. a glory support. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> Man just decided he wanted to play against the Lions and just said, oh, Kings, do you, do you fancy having me through a game? So, I mean, Sorry, what are we completing? <laughs> The centres are Fricky Welsh, Fricky Welsh and Dewet Barry. Yeah. Dewet Barry. Who is still playing at this point. Like, yeah. I, I, we had a conversation about him before coming on air uh, and I, I didn't know he still played at this point. I thought he retired like five years before this, but no. He... Oh my God, Ross Skeet's playing in the second row for them with Marco Wenzel. Oh, Ross Skeet. I remember Ross Skeet. Yeah, from Toulon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, of, uh, of Wasps. Again, a good Barbarians pick as well. Yeah. Dean oh, Trading. man. This is a, you can tell we haven't looked at this. Yeah. <laughs> Italy second row, Dries van Skullquick on the bench. Yes. Wanky Sticks on the bench. Wanky Sticks on the bench. Wanky Sticks on the bench. 
He has Man. no profile on ESPN. He just says born data known major team seven kings. I assumed Wanky Stick retired like fifty years ago. Rather than oh wait, Francis Hohard played nine, but I don't care. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I noticed that. I thought that was interesting. Wait, yeah, sorry to say it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, the, the score from this game was Kings eight, so, Lions twenty. So like, wank- I didn't get a good look at the team. But so Wanky Stick, right? Um, Which isn't even the funniest played- name in the team. <laughs> no. He really him and there, white human he? on the wings. Uh, he's only thirty six now. Oh wow! Um, so and he's obviously been coaching for quite a long time. Yeah. Wow. So he spent most of his senior career, or he spent no, he spent, I suppose no, he played uh, only fourteen games for the Kings, but played four games for the Mighty Elephants. <laughs> the Mighty Elephants. The Mighty like the Elephants. Mighty yes, it is. It's, it's a off-brand equivalent. So their current squad, a lot of them have Wikipedia pages. They've got they've got a second row called Giant and Timber. Their current coach is Peter De Villiers. Oh, of course it is. I forgot about that. Yeah, because they've got uh, Peter De Villiers is coaching them. Mm. Andrew Kutzi is coaching Namibia, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Heineke May is coaching Nola Gold, um, I think. He's gone to MLR. Yeah. Yeah. So that that that's. Basically, pressure's on Razzie to stay in his job. <laughs> Wanky Stick was 31 when he started coaching. Right. Okay. And has climbed very so, quickly. On the contrary, the Lions team, they put Keith Earls to fullback with Ricky Flutie and Gordon Darcy in the centres. Mm. Uh, like Mike Blair came in to actually to start this game. Nathan Hines moved to the back row, so he played at six. Mm. And basically they had with... a lot of the test team on the bench, but they tried not to bring them all on. So Shane yeah. got on, Ron Nagara got on, Matthew Reese and Adam Jones both got on, but they rested Tom Croft, David Wallace and uh, Harry Ellis, who didn't make this the This is team, but yeah. where they really needed the geography six. Yes. We could have got WP Nell and Rick Ostrowski. Oh, man. From the imagine? future. Yes. Yeah, Matt Turner in. Maybe that's what he was hoping for. He wanted the geography oh, six yes. call up. Yes. And it's like, well, fuck you guys. I'm going to play for the opposition instead. And then Matt Turner has one involvement in this highlights package, which is there's a point where, so James Hook, no, in fact, it's Ogara who came on quite early for mm. Hawk, who went up injured. Ogara sticks up a fairly aimless cross kick, I think it's safe to say. Yes. And Ugamonya's not, Ugamonya hasn't called for it himself. Ogara's just kind of gone for it. And so Ugamonya's kind of chasing, not half heartedly, but like unexpectedly of where the ball's going to bounce. Mm. And it bounces really horridly for Monya, but brilliantly for Turner. And Turner just doesn't bother like dealing yeah. with it at all. Because he's an inside man. The wall well. Cause he's, yeah, because he's trying to impress Siri McGeekin and get in the test team for the Lions, right? And it kind of bounces backwards off Monya's hand and then he kind of inadvertently grounds it with his shoulder and a try is given mm. off the back of it. And it's a really weird try, but thanks, Matt Turner. <laughs> it's a... Very old TMO laws thing, yeah. where they could only comment on so much, and they were, you know, it all depended on what the referee had asked them, and it manages the try is given despite being oh, yeah, yeah. shit and, like, and not worth it. There was definitely another one in one of the earlier games where it was a very similar situation, like yeah, uh, where it would have not been given in a million years if they could check like the old forward pass or something. But the thing I found most notable about this try, okay, is not the try itself; it is that TMO process, right? So, the referee for this game was the one and only Mr. Nigel Owens. Mm, yes. Okay, who they've flown out to referee this game because 
And how do I cover this? How do I say this? So when Nigel goes to the TMO, there's a very visible and very clear bulge in his pants, in his shorts. Oh, no. You can see a very clear bulge, and it's gone by the time the TMO cuts back to him to award the try. Oh, no. So, um, Nigel Owens had a semi whilst awarding the try. So that's my dick of the day. Yeah. I mean, I I thought Matt Turner had this wrapped up, but... (laughs) Nigel Owens' wanky stick, maybe. um... (laughs) Jesus, mate. Sorry, that was was distasteful. (laughs) I don't know who it was. Um... I'm genuinely speechless. Sorry, yeah. the podcast. This is this isn't great because for like, listener, I, I am genuinely I speechless. At, I sort of looked at thinking like, is Nigel wearing really tight shorts? And then realized like, oh no, you can see an outline. You can see like, a, as I said, there's a. It's pretty clear. Well, this is the stuff you listen to this podcast for. Because yeah. I'll tell you what, I can conclusively say nobody would have uncovered that and made that public knowledge That's if not for yes. us going back over these games twelve years ago. A farmer had a half erection. Like, He's he's gone twelve years without anyone spotting this. He thinks he's gone away with it, <laughs> and then suddenly, this fella coming over here and, uh, and oh my god! I'm and look, genuinely... maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just like it fell awkwardly, you know, and those things happen, you know. Like he was yeah. jogging over and it got caught. I don't know, but <laughs> have you ever um, had a semi on a rubber pitch, uh, Randrandra? I played in the semi-final once. Oh, yeah, 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 you, yeah. Did. you did, you did. Uh, I made an inter- We were like three points behind. I made an intercept uh, for my own 22 in the last minute. Uh, you've def- like, definitely told the story to on the podcast before. Have I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I slowed down to look for support, got caught. You know, it was not then great. Then died. Um, yeah. yeah, tried to offload the ball, tried to throw it. It didn't, the opposition regathered it. And then you died. Uh, it didn't happen. Yes, I, yeah, that was the last game I played. As a anyway, um, um, you know what? I want to be sent. Um, t- the, you were actually spoiled for choice on Dick of the Days on this one because uh, yeah. I said Matt Turner had it wrapped up, but actually, there's there's something that uh, that doesn't sit well with me that happens later in this game. Mm. There's a penalty try, yes. and the crowd yes. rightly start booing as soon as that's given. So and Adam Jones absolutely annihilates them at the scrum. The Lions get a penalty try. Penalty try is given. Yeah. Uh, and then this it's kind of funny what the camera cuts to next on the highlights package because it cuts to a scrum five down the other end where the Lions drive them off the ball, but it causes the ball to come loose to such an extent that the flanker regathers it and scores. Yeah, yeah. That's it, like it's... if the Lions had just scrummaged, like it contained their scrum rather than destroying them, they wouldn't have conceded. It's quite an underwhelming try at that point, isn't it? Because it feels like the Lions yeah. have just like, wrapped it up. And then suddenly it's just like, oh, no, no, we'll concede this try where we defend quite poorly. The what? flanker does finish it well, but yeah. it's, a, it's a really underwhelming try in that sense. But So Miles Harrison, you know, and I've spoken on this podcast before about how much I love Miles Harrison. I think he's you know yeah. the best commentator. He, in that way, he does, right? Miles Harrison, there was something great about him coming back for that third Lions test because yeah. you know, he was It genuinely he was there. He always so much better. I was dreading that test before he was um, drafted in his commentary. commentary he too. always, every game he commentates on becomes an occasion, right? Yeah. And some of that is just how he talks about it and his passion and his love for the game yeah, is always yeah. clear. But part of it, I think, is he does editorialise a little bit and he does build things up. 
you know? Yeah. Um, which often usually is great and makes things into a bigger occasion. When you're watching the highlights back 12 years later, however, <laughs> some of them stand out a bit. So when the, when the Kings score a try with two minutes to go to make it 20 points to eight, and he says, are we going to see remarkable late comeback here for the Kings? You think, no, right. Miles. No, we are not. Oh, God bless him. I was thinking like that when going back over these games, like having Miles hmm. Harrison on it was like maybe the best part of it because yeah, I can yeah. enjoy any lines occasion that has Miles Harrison on the commentary. And like, I, you know, we've discussed this a lot off air, but I, I had, hmm. I had a period during this Lions test series in 2021 where I was just completely fed up of rugby and everything because yeah. mainly because of social media and the news of the day before the test thinking, Oh my God, Miles Harrison's commentating tomorrow genuinely is what got me up for the test and what mm. made me like realize, no, I am actually looking forward to this. And I loved watching that third test and it it felt like such I, an occasion. It was great. Right. The second test, they announced he was coming back for the third test. I had a little bit in the back of my head thinking, well, I, I wanted to side with Miles Harrison commentating. You know, I don't want him to yeah. be commenting on the dead rubber. So yeah. I kind of, there's a bit of me that wanted South Africa to win it in mean. order to get that decider yeah. Um, yeah. and have his voice there. Um, uh, it makes such a difference having him content on Lions games. But he's just the yeah. best. But yeah, anyway, great result for the Lions to win 20 yeah. points to wait against a team that had a Tiger at fullback. Uh, I think that that's something that can't be understated. Uh, Lions versus Russian Tigers. Rugby. Yeah. Exactly. They played the exactly. Cheaters. They're the now Tiger the and the Human and a Mikey Stick in the back three. Yes. <laughs> um, so that brings us through the warm-up games they do go on to play south africa a between yeah. the first and second tests yeah we've not looked um that. we have not because right now the next game the lions play is against south africa the... thank you i was trying to be dramatic sorry um, sorry i wasn't sure if you'd forgotten hold on no it's against South Africa. No, sorry, okay. No, we'll, we'll do it a third time. We'll do it a third okay, time. Okay, third time. okay. Third We're going to nail it. It's, I'm going to yeah, not yeah. say it this time. Okay. Are you I'm sure? Not say okay. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's against. So, oh, okay. Go on, say yeah. it, say it, say it. I didn't say anything. South, South, um, South, South, South Sudan. South, South, South Sudan. Um, <laughs> it's against South Sudan. Um, so. Will they win? Will they lose? Will they draw? Um, those are the only three options available. <laughs> so one of the above. One of those three. And do you want to nominate an overall man of the pre-stage? Not really. I think we've done the... enough of these, to be honest. Uh, brilliant. Okay. I think my um, match for the Kings game is um uh, i want adam jones and national owens yeah okay i'll say my man of the match is hugo monya okay and my dick of the day god so it's it's penalty try it's got to be penalty try okay oh i hate that guy but not as much as i hate feathers mcgraw so, as we head into the test series, that puts Lee Byrne and Damo Dumas level as man of the tour <laughs> so far. Oh, man. I can't wait. Uh, to... With Dick of the Tour torn between Shane yes. Williams, Pat Silliers, and Keith Earls. Okay. We'll see how those pick up as we head into the tests themselves. 
which yes. are of course against South Africa. South Africa, yeah. I did right. it. I did it. So, um, just firstly, before we wrap up, it's good mm-hmm. to be back and sorry for a massive, a massive, like, <laughs> wait. It's been like nearly two months since we last recorded because of the line store's been really busy and we had the whole conundrum of everything disappearing from YouTube and just mm-hmm. not knowing how to handle that. Uh, amongst every, everything else, it was kind of one more thing on our plate that we didn't want to deal with. Yeah, and yeah. obviously, I, I, so uh, the day before we recorded this, I put up the tweet kind of teasing that we were going to do this again. And I just want to say, like, some of the replies, like, Jared Wright saying been patiently waiting for this uh, a load of other people saying yes please please come back Harley Worthy saying uh, why do you think I've been listening to everything again uh, there's just been some really and uh, of course some line are asking if we're Kermode de Mayo which is quite nice we are Kermode de Mayo aren't we uh, I mean I know a lot about Wallace and Gromit so should we um, Wait, yeah, we have anyway, the box office top 10 wait, what are we doing? Uh, it's, it's good to be back but yeah okay. just i just wanted to say thank you for everybody who responded to that you know uh has been listening while we've had our sort of downtime and just apologies but i'm glad that we are now back yes thank you it's lovely to be back and we will see you next week when we'll be back again to do the first test thank you very much everyone yes Bye. We'll see you there goodbye Bye.